Our reading for today comes from Mark chapter 11, beginning in the first verse. When they were approaching Jerusalem, at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find there tied a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why? Oh, that's not the same reading. Well, that's interesting. Cool. Our reading today comes from Mark chapter 13, beginning in verse 9. If you think we have all this figured out around here, uh, you just got to watch for a week or two because we're just trying to figure it out along with you all. (laughs) Well, this is a very different reading. We're going to put up that Mark 9 that was up there. I'm ready to go. All right. As for yourselves, beware, for they will hand you over to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings because of me, a testimony to them. And the good news must first be proclaimed to all the nations. When they bring you to trial and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are going to say. But say whatever is given to you at this time. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Brother will betray brother to death, and father is child, and children will rise up against parents, and, they will, and, and parents will have them put to death. And you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures will be saved. The word of the Lord. And if you can say thanks be to God after that reading, I don't quite know. But that, I just kind of go, whoa, Really? Okay, here's where we've been, and we're going to get into this story and why we tell this story today. But we've been working our way through this series called Teach Us to Pray. This is our very last week, and we've made it through the Lord's Prayer. We've said that God teaches us to pray for his character, for his kingdom, for him to provide for us, for him to forgive us, for guidance so that we would go where God calls us to go. But this week we get to this question. What do we mean when we finish this prayer by saying, deliver us from evil, and why does it matter? Why does it matter that we ask that God would deliver us from evil? So we get into this this beginning of this reading. As for yourselves, beware. Which is really interesting. Because the story that was being told by our kids was this story. Jesus, there he is. He's riding on a donkey. They're waving. Their palm branches are going. Everybody's saying, Hosanna. Ah, see, you got to keep up. Hosanna. Hosanna. The crowd is so excited. And then Jesus sounds so ominous. As for yourselves, beware. Be prepared. Be on guard. You see, the world is a strange, strange place. And so here's what I wanted to show you today, if you put up this next slide for us. Here's what I want to show you today. Here are two pieces of scripture. They are exactly two chapters apart in the Bible, and they are about two days apart in the storytelling that we're doing. Jesus says these, these two different things happen two days apart. So on the left, it says, then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna. <laughs> Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Two chapters later, as for yourselves, beware. For they will hand you over to councils and be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them. In chapter 11, it's a parade and a celebration. Everything is going so well and so amazingly. And in chapter 13, Jesus is warning his disciples about what the world might be like and how difficult this might be. Celebrate and beware. 
which is a tension that we hold in reality. It's hard to believe that the crowd could turn that quickly, but Palm Sunday is filled with tension. This is what Palm Sunday is. It is this tension where we come in and the parade is happening and the celebration. You're looking at the palm branches as you're walking in the door and you're thinking, this is going to be really fun. But we almost always leave Palm Sunday with our breath held a little bit, going, we know what's coming next. We know the story that we're about to tell. We come in with joy and we leave kind of wondering, but how do we tell the rest of this story? And how do we make it through from here to there? You see, the reality is, is that we're going to pray for protection, and we pray for protection because we know that we will need it. Deliver us from evil, Lord, is an acknowledgement of this reality. Evil exists. Pain exists. Suffering exists. We actually explored this a lot in February as we talked about when God wouldn't fix it. But we, we pray to God in front of it. We say, would you protect us from the suffering that's coming? And one of the things we've been learning about prayer is this reality that we begin to pray for things to happen in our hearts. Because we know there is a reality of going on in the world. In fact, when I was a kid, there was this show called Boy Meets World. If you watched it, you're probably between the ages of 28 and about 36 or so. That was the age range. And in the middle of it, there was this great scene that happened over and over, where Corey, the main character's big brother, Eric, would hit him in the head, and he'd go, life's tough, get a helmet. That's really what he'd say. Over again, Corey's whining, how could this be happening? And he'd say, crack him in the head, life's tough, get a helmet. And I thought to myself, what a great description of some of the things that we wrestle with in our lives, because life is hard, and we need God to deliver us from evil. Do not be deceived, Jesus says to his disciples. Beware, the world has evil in it. So how do we pray for the pain that's coming? How do we pray for the struggle that we're going to wrestle with? First things first is to acknowledge this. The pain is coming. The pain is coming. So don't be surprised. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, I know you saw the parade. I know you saw how great it is. Don't be surprised when some things start happening that scare you. Because you need to know that there are things that are coming that are not going to look like everybody in the streets and me riding the donkey and people putting their coats on the road so that your feet don't have to get dirty and everybody shouting Hosanna. Ah, there are some other things that are happening that are going to happen that we need to prepare for. And so we begin to pray these words, deliver us from evil. And the disciples are about to find this out in a real way over the next couple of days. But the question for us is this. How do we pray for the pain that is to come? How do we pray for the pain that is on its way in this moment? First things first. If we're going to pray, deliver us from evil, we need to hold this reality in the back of our mind. That God is good. That God is good. How do we keep hope in the midst of struggling through things? Well, we remember the times that God was good. In fact, we begin to read these things. Here's what it says in Mark 11. Many people spread their cloaks on the road. 
Others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the, king, or the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna! In the highest heaven. See, now you're starting to look for him in the reading. You're doing good. These people, Jesus says, or Jesus is pointing to us, and I think is helping us see, these people who are hurting you in this moment are the same people who were shouting, Hosanna. Ah, I snuck one in there, and I didn't even mean to that time. These people who are shouting over and over again are the same people who are going to be the ones who are shouting, crucify him. We learn something about this. People aren't good and evil. People are people, and they're caught in tension. And they're caught between these two realities that tend to take over at different times in our lives. There is this joy and pain that is a tension in the crowd, and it's the reality of remembering that when we're being hurt, that these are the same people who are celebrating Jesus's life. God has used them, and God will use them again. First things first, remember God's goodness. Second, don't lose sight of the mission. The good news and it said in Mark 13, and the good news must be proclaimed to all the nations. When they bring you to trial and hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you're going to say, because whatever is given to you at that time, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Don't lose sight of the greater mission. You see, the thing about it is, is that when we're in pain, we forget why it's there. Jesus is warning his disciples because they are about to show up with good news that you are forgiven and that you are free and that you should be full of hope and joy and all of the pain that's going on in life can't touch you. Don't forget something really, really important. That the difficult things of life, there are people whose livelihoods depend on them. There are people for whom— there are systems in the world that only work because we wrestle with the same struggles and with the same pain. The church, for a lot of its life, has looked at you and said— or looked at people and said in some sort of, like, quiet, in behind-the-scenes way, if you really want to make God happy, you have to do this and this and this. And it was true of the church in Jerusalem, and it's been a true at times of churches around the world. Jesus shows up and says, you are forgiven. You are loved. You are free. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of those Roman soldiers who tell you you have to obey the law all the time. Don't be afraid of the Jewish authorities that are telling you if you don't come to the temple, this is going to go badly. Don't be afraid of any of these things, Jesus says. This upsets people. Please remember People don't get crucified for being really nice, but God just going, I think this should happen. People get crucified because they are a threat to the state, to the status quo, and to everything that's going on. And I need to tell you this. The message that gets proclaimed in the Bible and the message that we preach from up here and the one you go home with threatens the reality that we're in. Because it says that you're not better or worse depending on how much money you make. 
It says that you're not better or worse depending on how you look or sound or act or how you treat people or whatever it is. It says that God loves us before we could even understand that while we were still dead in sin, God made us alive. People don't want others forgiven. It makes them feel free. It benefits, it it threatens the status quo, and it benefits enemies. It benefits enemies. You see, it's the oldest tactic in the book, and it happens in every country in the world. If we want you to stand against other people, we just tell you what's wrong with them. We tell you that that they're going to hurt you, We tell you that something is going to happen because of them. And you can look at it in pretty much every nation across the world. There are people saying, you need to be afraid of, and then they put a group in there, whatever group it is. We have ours. Other people have theirs. This is the reality of how it works. This is called status quo, and we want to preserve it. Jesus looks at people. He shows up at people who have no business talking to Jesus, people who the whole community hates people who have no money and no power and no prestige, people who, if they walk in the temple, the the religious leaders would have said, well, then God won't be in the temple because there's a sinner there. And Jesus says, you are beloved children. And he says, when you, disciples, disciples, start saying that to people, there are other people who are going to be threatened by this news. They're going to be afraid. So don't forget why you're doing it. You're doing it because God loves them unconditionally. And whatever the world says about them, God says, these are my children. Don't forget the mission, Jesus reminds us, when we confront evil. Third, don't forget those who can protect you. Matthew 10, 28, in in this Jesus says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. You see, the problem with evil is that it looks invincible. It looks impossible to overcome. It's too big. It's too powerful. You look at people who are threatening persecution, you say, there is no way that we can deal with these things. It's too much. But Jesus reminds us, pray, deliver us from evil. Do not be deceived. Jesus has this tendency to say in Scripture, Do not be deceived. There are people who threaten to kill the body, but they can't touch more than that. Can they take your livelihood? Maybe. Can they take your security? Maybe. Can things happen to you? Yep. This is the reality of the world that we live in. The promise that Jesus gives is that the reality of the world is not the all-encompassing reality. What we can see is not all that happens. Instead, instead, Jesus stops them and says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. What do we do instead? Well, we're taught to pray. We're taught to look at God and say, Deliver us from evil. And trust that the only thing that's more powerful in the world than the things we struggle with and the things that we're afraid of is the God who loves us. And if you want proof of that, we're about to walk into the story that is proof of this. That Jesus, the one whom they celebrate with a parade, the one whom they shout crucify him, will show up next Sunday morning 
God promises this simple thing that no matter how difficult the thing is that we face, God will overcome it. If we pray these words deliver us from evil, we can have the confidence that in the end, when all has been wrapped together, that God will overcome the pain and the struggle and the heartache and the hurt and the message that this is all there is will be no more. Deliver us from evil. We look at God and say, and we begin to trust. But we pray that God will do it here and now. So that's what we're going to do. As we wrap up this series and as we make our way into Holy Week, we pray this earnestly and we pray it wholeheartedly. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we struggle with the pain and heartache and suffering that exists all around us. And we ask now that we would put our trust not in our own ability, not in our own plans, not in the security of things that are accumulated or of those whom we'd put our trust in, but that we would turn our eyes toward you. Because we know that no matter what we struggle with, that you never leave us. And that you promise that as you hurt and as you suffered, that we too will be raised in newness of life like you have been as well. So as we confront our struggles, we pray that you would be with us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, and together God's people said, Amen.